Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Hey, if you're a fellow podcaster, let me tell you about Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. That's right. They're providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space, so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today and become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And let them know the nerds sent you by adding our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Once again, that's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 150th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch? Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now locking up all frog eggs so they are out of reach of Baby Yoda during travel. Unecrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the Amazing Nerd Show. Christian, happy Life Day, buddy. Uh, what's Life Day, Damon? Christian, you've never seen the Star Wars Holiday Special, man? Uh, I've never really watched it. People always <laughs> said it was kind of terrible. Oh, so it is. It, it absolutely is, but everyone should at least experience it once, Christian. If you say so. So homework for this week, I want you to go on YouTube and check <laughs> it out. They're about to do a full documentary about it. Uh, it's it's pretty fucking awful. It is the debut of uh, Boba Fett, though, like animated style. But, you know, it, so th- I think that's worth watching at least once. Um, it, it's it's a variety show, basically. Uh-huh. So you got lots of random singing. Fucking B. Arthur shows up. It's yeah, it's pretty awful. <laughs> Sounds like I'd love it, David. <laughs> but anyway, I'm in the full like holiday mode right now because I watched uh, Lego Star Wars, uh, the holiday special. And I'm a sucker for the Lego Star Wars shows. Um, I, do you Lego Star Wars? Um, I mean, I've played the games, but I've never watched any of the shows. Well, like, my daughter got me into them, and those Lego Star Wars people, they know what they're fucking doing, man. It's, like, the perfect, like, mix between, like, irreverent humor and, like, you know, just fun little, like, deep-cut, like, Easter eggs. And then just, like, taking the uh-huh. piss out of things completely. So um, Emperor Palpatine is my spirit animal. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. Like if we were to do like a top like 25 Star Wars character list, he would probably be on it. Like the Lego Emperor would be on it. Okay. I mean, not top 10, of course, because that would just be insane. That'd be like having like Admiral Ackbar, you know, on, 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 on your top 10 list, right, buddy? <laughs> uh huh. Keep going. <laughs> so I thought it was a really great special. Um, you know, my daughter loved it. It's just a good time. A lot of people are being way too overly critical about it. I don't know what their expectations were. Uh, you know, I thought maybe it'd be a little bit more yes. of a parody <laughs> of the original, you know, holiday special. But this is kind of like its own story, which I was totally fine with. Um, it's all like about Ray trying to become a good master to Finn, basically, who she's training. But they take a lot of little like, I don't know like jabs at rise of skywalker that i thought was like you know nicely done not like too over the top of course but i don't know i don't know it was it was a fun time and i i definitely recommend it for star wars fans you know i it, just fans are just so toxic it's just enjoy yourself i mean <laughs> jesus christ it's a lego star wars special come on um do you feel like it was meant to like be more kid friendly or no oh yeah no it's definitely it's something it's it's one of those like animated shows or you know features where you know the kids enjoy it and the parents enjoy it they do enough where they layer it where you know parents can actually be entertained by it it wasn't like late season clone wars where it's just like should the kids be watching this oh no (laughs) no (laughs) where people are being beheaded uh-huh. Yeah, like I, I just recently watched those last two episodes uh, with uh-huh. my daughter. It dawned on her that Darth Maul like beheaded some of the clone troopers in the hallway scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that that's you know he's evil. That's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> he's a Sith. <sighs> Good times, <laughs> family friendly. <laughs> but all right, well let's move on to the news. 
But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, give us a five-star review and DM us a screenshot. Not only will we read it on the show, but we'll send you some amazing nerd show swag. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters, we're mere podcasters with opinions. So Christian, we actually have a decent amount of news this week. A lot of DC news, actually. That's because you complained so much last week. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and since like we're recording this episode on Thursday and like DC basically, you know, emptied all their cannons, I feel like Marvel is going to dump a bunch of news on Friday. Well, if we have a breaking news segment, <laughs> we'll see. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny how that always works, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> One company goes ahead and has all these news stories in the beginning of the week and all of a sudden, like, you know, Marvel's like, release the Kraken. All right, we got a big story with Wonder Woman 1984 coming out on HBO Max on Christmas. So, man, this is huge news. Wonder Woman 1984 is not only going to be released in theaters this Christmas, but also on HBO Max for no additional charge to subscribers. Uh, So we definitely been speculating that we're going to see this sooner than later. Um, It really makes sense. Studios don't want to experience like a logjam when it comes to the release schedule. Uh, You know, they have to start getting these films out. Uh, Recently, we learned Universal Pictures just brokered a deal with theaters that would allow them to release their films on VOD just weeks after their initial release. Uh, This allowed, you know, a film like Freaky to be released in theaters and then just like two to three weeks later come to VOD. Uh, It'll be premiering November 30th, in fact. So um, Patty Jenkins weighed in uh, soon after the decision was, you know, made public. Uh, she was quoted as saying, this time, uh, the time has come. Uh, at some point, you have to choose to share any love and joy you have to give over everything else. We love our movie. We love our fans. So we truly hope that our film brings a little bit of joy to all this holiday season. I mean, at this point, do you think this would set a new precedent? Maybe we'll finally get Black Widow. I, I kind of doubt it, but I would really hope for it. On Disney know. Plus? Exactly. Yes. I mean, people were. I mean, people were thinking that from the get-go, but Marvel really like drew a line in the sand, uh-huh. and they're like, "Well, we gotta support theater owners." But now, if theater owners are kind of like you know warming up to the idea, and just you know with the situation being what it is, uh, there's a little more leeway. Who's who's to say? But they did like set their whole schedule with like Black Widow, you know, leading the way. So I'm not sure. I mean, it really depends on like, because I mean, they could hold it for however long they wanted to, because who knows when they're going to be able to really film all these bigger budget projects down the road as well. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, and if movie theaters will be able to open anytime soon, which is not, you know, no, not looking like I mean, it, it's so. their property, so they could do what they want. Um, uh-huh at this point uh, i don't know if they need to broker a deal like universal did but i mean who's to say with everything going on and it doesn't seem like there's any end in sight right now um unless that vaccine comes sooner than later uh knock on wood <laughs> it, you know i mean maybe they do a situation like mulan it, it definitely doesn't feel like it's something that they're not opposed to mm-hmm. you know i mean we, we we have soul dropping in a couple weeks so that I mean, was supposed Disney's, to be a theatrical release. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Disney's got fuck you money. So, I mean, at the end of the day, they don't Yeah, they don't have but to you care. know what? They don't have fuck you money anymore, though, because they're losing tons of money right now oh, really? because of, you know, I mean, there's no cruises happening. Uh-huh. Disney World, Disneyland's been hit hard. So they're losing money, too. So, I mean, they're, they're still okay, but they, <laughs> they did have to lay off people and everything like that. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. All right, well, up next, a new Wonder Girl series coming to the CW. So according to Deadline, the show will center around Yara Flor, a Latina dreamer who was born of an Amazonian warrior and a Brazilian river god. She will learn that she's Wonder Girl, and with her newfound powers, she must fight the evil forces that would seek to destroy the world. Uh, Dalen Rodriguez will uh, serve as executive producer and co-showrunner, along with Berlanti Productions. 
Uh, it's also worth noting that this show will, you know, exist within the Arrowverse, which I don't think there was any doubt of that. Uh, the character is going to be featured, you know, on the comic book end of things in uh, the DC Future State storyline that will explore the future heroes of the DC Universe. All right, up next, Sylvester Stallone joins the cast of The Suicide Squad. So Sylvester Stallone revealed on Instagram that he's going to be part of the film. Uh, this is the second time he's worked with Gunn, the last, of course, being Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, there's a lot of rumors right now that he might actually be voicing King Shark, who they've yet to name a voice actor for. I don't know. I mean, I'm not mad at it. Um, I feel like it probably could work. Uh, and I trust James Gunn. Yeah, I'm already picturing all the Expendables jokes they could make with King Shark now if Sylvester Stallone is him. <laughs> I could see that. Also in DC News, Justice League had another trailer come out for the Snyder Cut. So I feel like new footage is a little bit of a stretch. I mean, it really amounts to maybe a couple seconds. The black and white look is cool. Um, but yeah, we get a couple glimpses of Darkseid. Uh, a couple shots of Superman and Cyborg. Uh, Zack Snyder did recently share a new look for Steppenwolf. Uh, I thought the armor was pretty interesting, but people are comparing his face to Angry Cat, so take it or leave it. Uh, anyway, uh, we recently found out also that all the additional footage that was shot for the film uh, only amount to about four or five minutes. And some of that will include Jared Leto playing the Joker with a brand new look. I mean, thank God for that, right? Uh, we do know that it will be hitting HBO Max uh, sometime in 2021. The rumor is March, uh, and it will be divided up into six chapters in miniseries format. So yeah, for me, this, I mean, this wasn't anything that I haven't already seen and didn't really do anything to make me more excited for the cider cuts. Well, you know, the backstory here is yeah, they got yeah. the they got the trailer pulled um, because of uh, music rights. I guess oh, when God. HBO Max was actually you know, getting things, you know, up and streaming. Someone forgot to secure the music rights to the song, Hallelujah. <laughs> and they just, you know, threw it out there. And then just a couple weeks ago, it got pulled down. So they finally secured the rights again. And they, <laughs> they wanted to release the, it's kind of embarrassing for uh -huh. brothers. So I mean, it's not a good look. <laughs> it's very Bush League. Um, but anyway, they, they went ahead and, you know, secured the rights, obviously. And then I felt like they, they probably felt like they had to sweeten the pot a little. So they threw some extra footage in there. I mean, it's very brief. It's yeah. like blink it and you miss it like type stuff. So. Uh, I like to think that just the whoever owns the rights to Hallelujah is just like, fuck it, no, I don't want this. <laughs> You're going to have to pay me a lot of money for this. <laughs> now, now, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and on the Marvel side, Thor's Love and Thunder adds Guardians of the Galaxy's Chris Pratt. So fans rejoice. Uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, Chris Pratt will be co-starring uh, in the film, which only makes sense since the last time we saw Thor was with the Guardians of the Galaxy at the end of Avengers Endgame. This is something fans have been clamoring for, especially since Thor and the Guardians had such awesome chemistry on screen. Uh, this film is supposed to be released February 11th, 2022. You know, I am a little disappointed that Thor won't have a bigger role in whatever the next Guardians film. It seems like this is just, you know, them explaining how he got from working with them to just into this film. So most likely I could definitely see that, um, you know, but I, I I'm like you. I hope that he actually does have a bigger role and maybe that story takes place before Love and Thunder. And we're just kind of seeing like the tail end, like, you know, the Guardians dropping him off or something like that. Um, but I'm excited to see Chris Pratt because, like I said, they have great chemistry on screen and everything. Um, I feel like it, there's probably, you know, the rest of the Guardians are also in this film too yes. <laughs> in a brief cameo i think vin diesel actually uh spoiled it recently in an interview like a couple months back saying that you know he'll be in it uh hold on hold on uh, the guy that says one word is the yeah. one that spoils it yeah like why are people even interviewing you like that's what i want to know like you know i guess it was it was probably for one of the fast and furious movies i guess uh, but no they yeah. gotta use the uh star power of bloodshot you know yeah. <laughs> That's going to get a sequel. I know. And Alita Battle Angel still hasn't gotten any any word. Uh-huh, so. right. <laughs> That's depression. the world we live in. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> All right, and lastly, we got some Scream news. So just the other day on Twitter, Kevin Williamson revealed that the newest chapter of the Scream franchise is a rap. Uh, he also revealed the title of the film, which is simply Scream. Seems like they're going the Halloween 2018 route. Uh, this is going to be brought to you by the producers and the directors of Ready or Not. Uh, and it should be out in theaters January 14th, 2022. All right, and that does it for the news. We're actually going to talk a little bit about The Mandalorian this week. You see that Imperial Gazanti freighter? It's being loaded with weapons as we speak. Troopers? Squad at most. And they couldn't hit the side of a panther. All right, Christian, it is time for some Mando talk. All right, just a friendly, uh, friendly thing before we start. Spoilers ahead. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I know originally we were saying that we were going to just be doing the first episode and then maybe review the series at the end, but we also kind of speculated that maybe we'd be jumping on and talking about some like bigger like you know moments in the show. Well, this past week we had a huge moment uh, with uh, the character Bo-Katan showing up uh, for the first time in live action form. So we we wanted to talk about it. Yeah, uh, for starters, I just want to say how cool is it to have these animated characters actually show up? I know we we knew this was going to happen, but at the same time, it still blew my mind to actually see so, so a smaller character as like Bo-Katan show up in live action. Well, I I'm not gonna lie, like I totally got like goosebumps. I you know, <laughs> I might have started to tear up when you when you hit forty, Christian. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. <laughs> Because you're a good 15 years away. But when you hit 40, it's crazy the amount, like, you start tearing up over, like, the smallest thing. <laughs> like, I never, like, tears of joy, like, that was a total novel thing until uh-huh. I hit 40. And, like, oh, my God, I'm a fucking, like, silly old bastard now, you know, like, tearing up at commercials and shit. I don't know what the <laughs> hell's going on. It's the it's the loss of testosterone, I think. <laughs> So, but I was so excited. I mean, she looked so screen accurate too. The uniform, you knew exactly who she was right when she mm-hmm. arrived. Um, notice we're not talking episode uh, two because it was kind of <laughs> lackluster. <laughs> um, it was okay. It was okay, you know, but it just felt <laughs> like it could have been really combined with this episode to make mm-hmm. like one big episode. Because I think, I think the second episode was literally like 40 minutes long and this episode was only 30 minutes long. So maybe if you shave some of that spider mm. shit out exactly, know, and then just make one, you know, really, really good episode. And did you see all the outrage about Baby Yoda and the eggs? Yes. I guess I'm a monster because I could give a shit about some fucking frog people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I thought it was ridiculous. Like some people like threatening to quit the show. Like, I'm never uh, watching it again. Like, these motherfuckers <laughs> never had an omelet before. Like, I mean, come on, people. No, yeah, it was pretty ridiculous how much, like, and this is something that's been established, too. Baby Yoda eats small animals. He eats frogs. Yes, we've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm a monster. I don't know. But anyway, uh, back back to episode three. Uh, Uh To start from the beginning, you know, he crash lands on the moon of Trask. Uh, You know, he gets the frog lady to her husband. Uh, You know, they go off on their happy way. But before doing so, uh, the frog daddy ends up pointing him to the bar where he could get information from some uh, Mon Calamari who's running the place. Uh, he hooks him up with some Corrin. He gets on a ship. They're supposed to be taking him on his way to see these Mandalorians. And then they betray him. Uh, it was actually quite a terrifying scene. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> especially the way they just kicked like baby Yoda and his little fucking, you know, egg into yeah, that. I was shocked. That giant like sea creature. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Um, you know, but it was really well done because we got the debut of, you know, Bo-Katan and the other Mandalorians. And one of them happened to be Sasha Banks. <laughs> Playing Costco Reeves? I, I don't know if they ever said her it, name. I don't think her name's in the credits. I could be wrong. Uh-huh. Uh, that's off of IMDb. So, and that, you know, obviously can be edited by anyone. So. Exactly. Um, that's not confirmed at least. But I, I thought she did well, Sasha. You know, I, mm-hmm. she she had the physicality down. She didn't have many lines, but, you know, she held her own. She didn't look out of place, at least. Exactly. Then they go ahead and they sit down uh, and uh, they talk about uh, Imperial Remnants. Uh, 
that uh, have plundered uh, Mandalore. Her and her team are trying to raid a cargo ship uh, to steal the weapons back. Um, the Mandalorian then goes ahead and explains his mission. Uh, they agree to help each other out, and then they're on to the raid. This show does these action sequences so well, um, especially like, you know, the ones on the Bickerscope. Um, I love seeing, you know, Bo-Katan and, you know, the other Mandalorians, you know, just just mauling down fucking stormtroopers. On board the freighter, they make short work of the stormtroopers. I was really surprised, like, how big, like, of a group of, like, you know, Imperial remnants or whatever the hell they're calling them. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, I mean, what, what does that universe do as soon as the Empire is falls apart? I know we know that the Republic is trying to rebuild itself, uh, make it the new Republic and stuff like that. But how much of the galaxy was still controlled by the Empire at that time? And I think even like um, in the game Star Wars Squadrons I'm playing, they're showing just how large... Uh, the Empire still was right after his passing. Yeah, because you figure too, I mean, there's, you know, different groups occupying different planets mm -hmm. and control and, you know, just because that big battle took place doesn't mean that those groups were part of that battle. So they're probably all trying to still, like, cling on to power at that point. Yes. But anyway, the team takes control of the cargo rather quickly. Uh, Bo-Katan then tries to alter the mission, uh, deciding that she wants to take the whole fucking ship. Uh, the Mandalorian declines. Bo-Katan then, you know, makes fun of him, you know, mocking him, saying this is the way. Uh, the captain then, you know, the big surprise is the captain, uh, comes into contact with Moff Gideon, who we didn't realize at this point was actually in charge of this crew. Um, you know, he basically tells, you know, the captain that it's too late, that he needs to go ahead and sacrifice himself and the crew for the Empire and keep, you know, the cargo and the ship out of the hands of the Mandalorians. Um, they go ahead and start taking a fucking nosedive. It seems like, you know, all is lost, but then fucking, you know, last minute the Mandalorian goes ahead and decides to just fuck it and go on a rampage to get to the cockpit. Almost like Batman level of breaking through everything. Yeah, pretty fucking badass, right? <laughs> it, it makes me kind of wonder with, you know, how much people are like following Gideon. If he has like... There were all these droids that were sent out with specific instructions from the Emperor after his passing. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if he is like answering directly to one of those. I know that's a big stretch. You know, that was elements that they've only brought up in games and comics, but it'd be interesting to see. So I'm expecting him to be com in complete control of Mandalore still. Mm. So that's my guess, you know, especially since he has the dark saber. Yeah. So I, that's usually their side. yes, yes. So I, I'm guessing that's why he has such, you know, power right now still and such a big group working around him. Uh, I feel like that only makes sense. And I feel like that's kind of where we're, you know, headed um, story wise, because, uh, you know, after everything happens, uh, the officer ends up, you know, basically committing suicide to get out of, you know, basically snitching on Gideon, which shows you how scared he is of him. During this interaction, we do find out that Bo-Katan is searching for, you know, the holy relic of the dark saber, um, you know, her birthright. Uh, you know, Bo-Katan ends up thanking the Mandalorian, inviting him to go on, you know, future missions with them. Uh, you know, he declines, you know, because he's got his own quest. And before the episode ends, she sends the Mandalorian on his way to find Ahsoka Tano. Did, did you pop for that one? I did pop not? for that, yes. <laughs> I was surprised to hear her name so early, you know? No, I agree. I, I was expecting it to be kind of like a last episode, you know, of the season, you know, brief mm. cameo, and that was it. So, but now we know, you know, who we're, you know, seeking out. Like, I definitely don't think we're going to see her, like, next episode or anything. I feel like they'll wait till probably one of Filoni's episodes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he directs uh, episode five. So maybe we'll get a glimpse of her then. Because, I mean, it's only poetic that he's the one directing the episode that she finally debuts in, you know, live action style. Do, do you think people are going to be pissed off now that <laughs> Katie Stackoff could play Bo-Katan, but they couldn't get the voice actress of Ahsoka? <laughs> they'll get over it. <laughs> they'll get over it. Because I remember I fans casting <laughs> Rosario in the role, like, years ago. 
So yes. there's always going to be people <laughs> pissed off, no matter what. Yes. As we said at the beginning of the show, the, the fandom could be toxic sometimes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so, but it also sounds like we're going to be talking about this in two weeks, which she, if she shows up. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely come back to it. You know, uh-huh. I think it's pretty much a given at this point. You know, any big moments, you know, during the season, we'll come back, you know, on to the show and, you know, discuss it. I'm sure our listeners will love to hear it. Some Mando talk. Absolutely. All right. Well, besides the epic Mandalorian, Damon also watched a couple movies. Isn't that right? That's right. Uh, Yeah. So this is me pretty much playing some catch up here. Uh, There's a couple movies that I didn't get to see right off the bat and I wanted to review. Uh, The first one is Hi, I'm Ashley. She's a pretty one. How do you two know each other? We're friends. Best friends. Oh, best friend. Never mentioned him before. When are you two going to get hitched? We're still talking about that. She seems like a great girl you got there, Sam. You gotta lock down a girl like that. Somebody might just come along and take her. While on Christmas vacation, a young man with commitment issues tries desperately to hang on to his relationship when a rival enters the picture. This was written and directed by Nicholas Santos and stars Charles Gold, uh, Quinn Jackson, and John Anderson. So this horomedy of sorts is about a couple Sam and Ashley at the crossroads of the relationship. Ashley wants marriage and children, and Sam seems scared of kids and the idea of commitment. Uh, They travel to Sam's family home during Christmas. When they run into Nolan, a childhood friend who Sam soon sees as an aggressive rival for Ashley's affection. Sam is also being haunted by mysterious flashbacks as he struggles to keep his relationship together. And of course, hijinks ensues, well, kind of. Uh, So it cuts deep is charming at times and a germ of a good idea that just kind of fails to deliver at the end of its runtime. The tone of the film is really uneven as it like dances between two different sets of genre tropes. And while its strange quirkiness can be entertaining, um, in the long run, it just ends up being frustrating because the film never finds its groove. The relationship between Sam and Ashley feels forced at best, and I understand, I think that was kind of the vibe they were going for, because definitely one of the themes, you know, throughout the entire movie is, you know, people in relationships like nature to just kind of settle. Um, But there's just never a time where you find yourself rooting for either of them. This ends up just causing, I don't know, apathy for everything that's kind of happening because you just don't care about the main characters. I mean, Nolan, Sam's weird rival slash friend, is actually the most likable character in this film, which might be intentional as well. By far, I mean, the best part of the film is the third act. While, you know, pretty predictable, I do like the idea of where they were trying to take us. And this would have been a great finale if our journey wasn't so uneventful and just, you know, severely lacking any emotional investment. So in the long run, I wish they would have just like chosen Elaine, you know, um, especially more on the horror side of things. I feel like there are so many great tropes in the genre that would have lent itself into like really creatively examining this kind of relationship dynamic. You know, it just feels like kind of a wasted opportunity. So Damon, what grade would you give this? So I'm going to give this film a C minus, honestly, because its awkwardness did make me laugh at times. And like I said, there's a lot of potential here. It just seems like the script was more of a rough draft that needed some more work. Well, on that note, you also saw another movie, right, David? That's right. I saw Train to Busan presents Peninsula. You get the truck, come back with the money. That's $2.5 million per head. If you come back alive. A zombie virus has, in the last four years, spread to all of South Korea. Four Koreans in Hong Kong sail back through a blockade in order to steal $20 million off of a truck. This is directed by and written by Song Hoo Young or or Eun. Don't know that how to say that exactly, but it is a great director. Let's talk about it. If you listen to the show, you know how much I love the film Train to Busan. It's one of my favorite horror films over the last decade, and it ranked high amongst steep competition on our all-time favorite zombie film countdown. 
So needless to say, the sequel directed by Yeon Sang-ho uh, was one of my most anticipated films of 2020. But unfortunately, like the year itself, Peninsula was a great disappointment. Uh, so here's the thing. Peninsula takes place in the same world as trains. Um, but besides that aspect, it really has little in common with it. Gone is the personal story of a man learning to be a father in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. A story that struck the, a nerve and resonated with audiences. Instead, we get this action-packed film that has more in common with, like, Fury Road and Fast and the Furious. I mean, don't get me wrong, those films are fine, but it's just such a stark contrast compared to the original. Um, it's just a completely different beast. And, you know, the kind of sequel, honestly, for me, that gives sequels a bad name. I mean, everything's bigger and louder just for the sake of being bigger and louder. The problem is, what made Train to Busan work so well wasn't its action sequences. And don't get me wrong, it had some great action in it. But it was a film about something. It was this fantastic allegory about parenthood. While Peninsula tries to strike some similar notes here and there, I mean, playing with themes of like keeping one's humanity and doing the right thing no matter what the circumstance, it comes off forced because we're just too busy building to our next action set piece. I feel like if they would have trimmed some of that down and focused more on, you know, characters, especially the family who I feel like we should have really been following and spending more time with instead of Jung, who's this, I don't know, soldier turned mercenary who's just over life. Um, I feel like we could have like possibly captured the spirit of the original film, but instead they decided to make a serviceable action zombie film which would have been fine if it wasn't a follow-up to an absolute masterpiece. I mean, at least in my mind. Oh, and the zombies. I mean, one last gripe. The zombies in this film are absolutely toothless and not nearly as frightening as they were in Trains. I mean, they're more like twitching obstacles than anything. And if you can't get your zombies right in a zombie film, then, I don't know, you lost me. All right, Damon, what grade would you give this one? So I'm going to give this film a C because it's a fine action film. Um, and, you know, some of the sequences are rather entertaining, but it just could have been so much more. And I understand that Peninsula isn't necessarily a direct sequel to Train to Busan. It just kind of exists in the same, like, world, much like Romero's trilogy films do. But this would have been akin to, like, Romero following Night of the Living Dead up with, like, some Resident Evil film or something. Uh, the tone shift and just, I don't know, the quality shift is just too jarring for my liking. So Christian, the Christmas season is almost here, believe it or not. You got anything special on your wish list this year? Man, I've been filling up that list, but I definitely need a new pair of shoes. Well, Christian, you got to check out my favorite shoe brand, Thousand Fell. Oh man, you like them too? I love their shoes. They're the best sneakers for a better tomorrow. That's right. They're a full circle footwear brand grounded in thoughtful design that starts with seriously sustainable super ingredients. Their sneakers are not only zero waste, but stain proof, odor free, water resistance. They offer long lasting durability and yoga mat levels of comfort. Thousand Fell creates the world's first 100% recyclable circular sneaker. Their sneakers are designed from innovative leatherless materials and backed by their brand-owned recycling program, which guarantees their sneakers will never end up in a landfill. Thousand Fell sneakers not only do good, they look good, feel good, and they're built to last. Hell, Vogue even said, these sneakers bring both the cool factor and practicality. They have everything I could possibly want in a sneaker. I'm talking 100% leatherless, 100% recyclable, 100% vegan, certified by PETA, zero waste, stain and water resistant, odor repellent, blister proof, and with a versatile design to really make a statement. So listeners, check out their website today and get a look at the best sneakers for a better tomorrow at a thousandfell.com. That's right. Get you and your family the perfect holiday gift, a new pair of shoes over at thousandfell.com. And make sure to select our podcast, The Amazing Nerd Show, in the post-purchase survey. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again. It's time for Christian's Corner. Yeah! 
Alright guys, today we're going to be talking a little bit about Cyberpunk 2077 as there was another Night City Wire. But before that, I do want to state, you know, the Xbox War with PlayStation is still going on. You know, the consoles just came out, new stories have been going back and forth, and we've just seen the same things as per usual, shifting power back and forth to either side. So I'm going to stay away from that again this week as... I don't feel like there has been a definitive news story about the consoles just yet. You know, I want to give some time to let everyone get their hands on the console before I finally talk about it and stuff like that. So that might be something near the end of the year I might talk about. Um, but if I can focus on Xbox just a little bit, I want to bring you back to that story earlier this year about Xbox buying Bethesda. Um, you know, earlier in the year, they had this massive acquisition of all these studios, which included Bethesda. Uh, it, was, it was millions and millions of dollars. I think it was, I, I can't remember if it was billions or not, but <laughs> it was millions of dollars. And, and now they have control over games like Elder Scrolls, Wolfenstein, Starfield, and, and many more. Um, you know, this was a huge acquisition for Microsoft and a huge thing that would be coming to the platform, to the platform in general. Um, one of the things that have come out recently is that the Xbox chief executive officer uh, mentioned that they have no intentions of pulling out of other platforms at this time, uh, which was a big fear for a lot of gamers out there. They were afraid, you know, now that Xbox owns it, maybe it'll become more exclusives for that console. Well, as, as you can imagine, they'll make more money if they put it on all the consoles and stuff like that and PC and, and, and the work. So I can only imagine that they would want to continue to put these games out in a third-party uh, type of titles. Um, but they did state that they'll probably want to put the games out first on Xbox and then later on other consoles. Um, or at least show off the games at their best or peak performance on an Xbox rather than have it be shown optimized for all systems right off the bat. You know, that brings and drives customers towards the Xbox and or Game Pass. There definitely was a big focus on Game Pass with a lot of what he was talking about in general uh, when he brought up the acquisition of um, Bethesda and what they plan on doing in the future. But I mean, the main concern most people had was, okay, will these become Xbox exclusives and as I reported before and how I thought um, in general uh, they probably aren't going to do that you know it's it's a big loss in money to just make these games exclusive to Xbox when they have an opportunity to take these massive titles like Elder Scrolls 6 whenever that comes out to be on all consoles of course they want all that money to come in so, I mean, it only makes sense. But yeah, this week I did live reactions for Night City Wire Episode 5. Um, you can still check those out. That's on our Twitch um, right now. Um, we, we checked it out. They showed off um, a new trailer and like just kind of the development of the game on the Johnny Silverhand side, which kind of opened up our eyes to a lot of what was going on with the story. That I mean, we pretty much, a lot of us had already suspected kind of like oh he's in the chip you know that's what's going on in his mind he might be um, going in and out uh, it, it, this kind of shed a, a lot of a light on what are the things that we've been speculating as fans and stuff of the story uh, with how Johnny Silverhand will be involved um, you know one of the big things I think that came up for me in general while I was sitting there watching it just uh, was kind of like the fact that he has his own agenda to a much larger scale than I thought he would you know, there's going to be, you know, pretty much whole side missions that focus on Johnny Silverhand rather than yourself or um, your character's motivations. You know, I thought that was very interesting to see. Um, you know, I think when we first got introduced to this concept of um, Keanu Reeves' character, Johnny Silverhand, I thought it was going to be more of a mentor role. You know, um, he might just pop in and out and give you suggestions and stuff like that based off the journey that you're taking. The fact that he has such an agenda of his own that um, you two will have to try and coexist and figure out a way to work on both of your guys' storylines at the same time, I think is an incredible feat. I think that's an incredible way to tell a story as well, and definitely something different, rather than it just being this floating imaginary character that pops in here and there to um, you know either shit talk you or tell you which way to go and stuff like that so it's definitely was exciting for me to see um you know they, they definitely talked about um like you know how many hours he was in the studio and stuff like that um uh, it definitely sounded a lot less like um you like 
when they talked about the development of GTA 5, it sounded like they did at least three years of like mocap and acting sessions and stuff like that. And it seems it, it's the way that they made it sound was they did this in way less time for Keanu Reeves. And I don't, I don't know if that's the fact or if they just you know um, if I'm interpreting it wrong, but. Yeah, at the same time, it really felt like they did a lot less on that scale, but they also talked about how much he's involved in the game. So I can only imagine maybe they've figured out a better way of doing things, or <laughs> maybe a lot of the mocap is either reused, or um, there's just little things that they were able, like tricks that they were able to play around with to make it all work out in the end. Um, the trailer in general uh, made me excited. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see kind of like the past storyline, how much they go back into his memories and stuff like that and see how that works out. Um, I definitely think he's a cool character. I think Keanu Reeves is a great actor, so I mean, it should work out. Um, it was kind of interesting to hear, like, you know, they had other choices in mind, you know, possibly going to like either rock musicians or, you know, other figures in um, you know current times to see who might be the best fit for this character. Um, you know, I can only imagine, you know, the types of people that they went out for, but, you know, I think Keanu is definitely a good choice for this. Johnny Silverhand seems to be a character that really fits with him, so I definitely think that should be interesting. Um, another thing that they showed off was the soundtrack, and they talked about, you know, music in the game in general and how important it was, and, you know, I'm a big synthesizer fan, I definitely dig anything with heavy bass and heavy synth, so... <laughs> if anyone's watched my streams or caught the beginning, you definitely have heard some heavy synth. Uh, <laughs> Um, what, speaking of streaming though, with, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, they introduced and told us about a mode that they will have for content creators, which will allow them to play the game with music, um, that doesn't have copyright in it. Um, you know, I thought that was great. That was, I, I, I literally started clapping during the stream because I thought that was fucking amazing. You know, there's so many crazy DMCA shit going on right now in the um, streaming world and content creation world. Uh, you know, so much going down with how people are handling music laws and stuff like that, that, you know, having a game actually, you know, consider this and think about you as the content creator. Oh my God. So many points in my eyes, so many fucking points they got for me, um, you know, to be able to put that in. Cause you know, my first thing was like, Oh, I'm gonna have to turn all the music off in this game. So it'll be, It'll be fine. It'll still be a fun experience, but you know, it's, eh, I'd rather be able to hear all those crazy fucking songs that they're gonna put in because I love, you know, that type of genre in general. Um, so it was. I thought I was going to be disappointed, but now I found out they they've made a mode that allowed me to be a content creator and play this game at the same time, which I think is fucking great. Um, the last thing that they showed off was another gameplay trailer, which you know continue to show off multiple paths, multiple directions. Um, there was also gameplay that they had shown off for the Xbox earlier this week. And I had stated when I watched it, um, you know, the, the driving in it felt, again, safe. Now, what they've shown off in these later trailers um, has definitely been much more dangerous driving. The cars look like they're pretty fluid, but the driving, for some reason, whenever they do, you know, any type of live um, footage or anything from the game, um, just feels very safe. Like they're trying not to hit anyone, and I don't know if that's just to save time, to stop any like um, cop interactions or something like that. Um, it definitely just when when they talk about making the game feel more like Forza when it comes to driving, you know, I definitely expect. Um, a higher set of quality, I guess, in that direction. And when the cars just keep being presented to me, moving safely and slowly through the streets, it, it makes me concerned that, you know, maybe the driving isn't up to par or up to snuff in the in my eyes. Um, but, you know, I'll hop into the game day one, and I'll definitely be crashing into things left and right, as uh, if anyone's watched my watchdogs, my driving in that game is fucking horrible. And I'm constantly killing people, like left and right by accident. Uh, <laughs> even though DeadSec is definitely against killing. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm still super hyped for the game. Um, even after, you know, release delay after release delay. Um, even after, you know, crunch and everything like that. Um, I'm still super excited for this game. I'm gonna, when the game comes out, um, I will be doing a four day pretty much stream of it where I'll be going Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
um, just playing the game on stream. So you definitely follow us on Twitch if you want to check that out when it comes out December 10th. Hopefully, for the love of God, there isn't just a last-minute delay here um, to fuck everything up. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do a fun announcement or a launch announcement with that yellow background just to scare everyone, but it actually says something positive about the game coming out. <laughs> that's what my that's my big expectation for launch week is that maybe they'll uh, be like, hey, it's officially launch week um, in, in one of those fucking pages <laughs> that they put on Twitter. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, this weekend in general on Twitch, I will be streaming. I think I'm actually going to stream Spider-Man. Um, I've just been back and forth. Uh, my co-host here has been pushing me to want wants me to play spider-man because he wants to watch me play it <laughs> in general and then um i'm gonna keep going with witcher uh i'm gonna keep going with watchdogs apparently the story gets a lot darker i've been seeing a lot of um things here and there nothing that i've never read anything that was a big spoiler or anything so definitely been keeping my eye out for spoilers in general to stay away from them but it definitely sounds like the story might go to places that i didn't expect so I'm definitely now a little bit more intrigued because the game itself um, overall feels a little easy in my eyes. Um, you know, as I'm playing each mission, you know, I'm overcomplicating it myself by thinking I have to do things in a harder way. But once I figure out how to do it, I was like, oh, that was really easy. I, why did I even, you know, take the time to kill all these guards or um, to hack all these different things when the mission was just like big, bit bam, boom, you know, and I'm out of the room. So that's that's that is what that is but i'm hoping that as the game goes on um it becomes more challenging and stuff like that you know i have permadeath on um and i think now now that i've passed all the tutorial stuff um it should definitely get a bit harder for me to play and i'll definitely be losing people as i go on um if you can't catch me live um i am on youtube um we do uh monday through friday i put uploads um you know i I'm going to have some special uploads coming out next week, so definitely keep an eye open for that. But yeah, that's going to do it for my corner this week. Um, let's move on to some wrestling. My dad. Six foot three, 250 pound, brick shit house. Box your ear if you got out of line. Scary. One day he's in town, he picks me up from the police station, but it doesn't hit me. He looks at me and he says something I'll never forget. He says, son, we're the good guys. No matter what happens, no matter what's going on around you, just remember, we're the good guys. They've tried to lie, cheat, and steal this championship away from me. I've been jumped, beat up, I've fought monsters, technicians, my own friends. But I always know what to do. I always have. We're the good guys. All right, so it's been a busy week in wrestling. Let's talk the highlights, Damon. What can you give me? Because you know I don't watch SmackDown or Raw. Yeah. <laughs> well, have you ever watched uh, NXT and uh, AEW this week? No, no. <laughs> I, I watch them on my time, all right? Which is like <laughs> been a, a busy month week. late, if, if even. That's not true. <laughs> right before the pay-per-view. <laughs> That's a little true. <laughs> all right, well, on NXT, uh, we got the big announcements that of the War Games match. Uh, Undisputed Era made a comeback, uh, surprising the Kings of NXT, which is uh, Pat McAfee's group uh, with L Lorcan and Birch and uh, Pete Dunne, who's just fucking ripped now. I don't know if you've seen him. <laughs> um, I've actually enjoyed a lot of their work, you know, and they're, them kind of running in rough shop over like NXT. Mm -hmm. uh, McAfee's great on the mic. I don't necessarily want to see him wrestle, but it is what it is. Um, if it helps getting like L Lorcan and Birch over, I mean, that's cool. Uh, you know, and I'm always down to see more Pete Dunne. Um, but th this should be a fun match. I feel like we've, have we seen Undisputed Era now in like three war games? Will this be the third war games match? Have, yeah. Haven't they been in all of them? So like, like it's basically, <laughs> I, well, you know what? Back in the day, it was always the horseman versus someone in war games. Uh -huh. So <laughs> I guess that makes sense. That's the legacy. You know, one stable kind of just like ru rules the whole, you know, gimmick match. So did, um, did Regal do the whole war oh, games? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and they were trying. They're like, "Do it, say it, say it." <laughs> no, it was it was a nice it was a nice spot in the show. We also got a great women's championship match between Io and Rhea Ripley. Uh, 
Rhea end up losing the match. People are speculating that she is going to end up being uh, the mystery member of the women's uh, SmackDown Survivor Series team. So um, if I don't know if that means that she's getting called up. It does kind of make sense booking-wise mm. at this point. Because um, I don't know where she goes from here in NXT. Because it definitely feels like she's treading water at this point. Well, um, a brief moment for Rhea Ripley's career <laughs> uh, as it comes to an end. <laughs> yeah, she'll probably be back on NXT in a year or so. Yeah, yeah especially since Vince doesn't know how to make stars anymore. So even ones that are handed to him at this point. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, over at AEW, we have the debut match of Top Flight against the Young Bucks. Um, I believe they're signed full-time. If they're not, they definitely need to be because they were fantastic. But anyone could look great against the Young Bucks. But they had great (laughs) poise in the ring. I will say that. Um, Even more so than Private Party, I think. So, I mean, they Hmm. really held their own. um, And the Young Bucks looked like, you know, they made them look like a million dollars. So... Um, we also had Hobbs joining, uh, FTW or Team Taz, whatever the fuck they're calling them themselves nowadays. Um, I, I definitely like that pairing. I feel like it's a good fit. Uh, you know, he turned on Darby Allen and Cody, uh, during the main event. So we had Pax, uh, in ring return. Uh, he faced off against, uh, the Blade in a great match. Uh, at the end, he was jumped. Uh, Phoenix came out to make the save. Then all of a sudden, Pentagon showed up with a chair. We didn't know which way he was going to turn. And he actually sided with his brother and Pac to reform the Death Triangle. So I thought that was interesting. (laughs) It definitely felt like they were setting up, you know, Pentagon joining forces with Eddie Kingston. Kingston's been, like, pushing the fact that they're best friends. Obviously, it was a setup for this twist. Um who um who was the face in that? Did it was definitely Pac. Cheer for Pac or Yeah, it was okay. definitely Pac. Um he uh he definitely was getting the the fan reaction. But I I think it's one of those things where it's just, you know, it's pretty much heel versus heel here. Cuz they're uh-huh. not good guys. <laughs> I mean Phoenix mm-hmm. is pretty much, but I mean fucking Pentagon and Pac, they're still heels, you know. So it's an interesting angle. Um it should be fun though. They're going to have great matches. Going to end up having six-man titles if they keep introducing new well, factions. Well, a while back, uh, they teased, I think it was the Bucks, teased um, bringing a six-man title uh, to AEW. And they actually said that they might do it on the next Jericho Cruise. Now, that's not oh, happening, okay. I feel like, this year. So they might do it sooner than later. Because if you look at it, they do have so many factions. It only makes sense. You know, and you mm. don't want to add another singles title, you know? Damon, you underestimate uh, Jericho's ability to put on a cruise. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but I don't want to see anyone die. So <laughs> uh-huh. let's not do that. And let's just go ahead and have a tournament on dynamite. Okay. All right. And no one All has right. to get Fair. sick. <laughs> but I think it's a good idea. I, I'd be interested in it. I mean, those are always fun matches. And like I said, their roster right now really lends itself to that title. Mm-hmm. So, but anyway, um, we had a contract signing between Omega and Moxley. Um, Moxley cut a great promo. He actually snuck in a birth announcement in the middle of the promo, <laughs> um, which you know obviously you know burned down the internet. Um, so uh, during the contract signing, it was revealed that Moxley was actually jumped uh, backstage um, by some mystery person or persons. Uh, people right away were speculating, you know, fucking Kenta, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it could happen, I guess, but I doubt it. Uh, it feels most likely, you know, it's going to be like Lance Archer or someone. Hmm. That'd be huge. I'd totally be popping for that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they, you know, maybe it ends up like leading to Omega losing the match and then those two can go into a feud and then omega can you know move on you know with the title run Mm -hmm. you know i i don't know i'm uh, obviously trying to push for omega winning that belt (laughs) so uh december 3rd or 2nd is the uh, big dynamite i believe it's okay it's really shaping up to be like a great card so i feel like you're gonna get some more title matches announced sooner than later hell maybe i'll tune in live yeah look at that <laughs> Tony Khan's actually motivating Christian to watch live. Crazy. So over on Raw, we had a big title change in the main event. Uh, McIntyre went over on Randy Orton in a pretty good match. 
Um, it's just, I don't know, it's odd booking because it kind of feels like it's coming out of nowhere and it's too rushed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why they even bothered putting the belt on Orton if it was only for a three-week reign. Um, you know, usually I'd say, oh, well, that's cool. It kind of leads to, like, you know, anything could happen on the show. A, a nice surprise, you know, factor. Because you don't have too many, like, big, like, title matches on Raw nowadays, especially, like, title changes like that. Um, with all that being said, this is the third time they've done a title change. I mean, I feel like it's usually the SmackDown brand, though, um, before Survivor Series. Um, before this, you had uh, Jinder Mahal dropping the belt to AJ Styles right before the show, um, just so you could get that AJ Styles versus Brock Lesnar match. And then after that, you had Dan O'Brien turning heel and, uh, you know, capturing the belt right before Survivor Series. Um, and, and it was a great match and everything, but it seems like... Now this is the gimmick that we're going for, mm-hmm. which is just odd because it's like they're booking for that champion versus champion match, um, you know, for Survivor Series, which that match ends up meaning really nothing in the long run. So I'm kind of just over this whole like, you know, brand versus brand, champion versus champion thing that they're doing. Like I'm I'm all for the old fashioned, just straight up elimination matches um, you know, a couple, you know, title, you know, matches within their brands. Um, I really don't need it. I feel like it's so soon after, you know, the draft that it just doesn't really feel like, you know, it's a big deal at this point because we saw most of these, you know, wrestlers interacting with each other, you know, just a month prior, you know, when they were on the same brand together. Exactly. So, but it is what it is. I don't know. Uh and I guess the whole gimmick right now with the Survivor Series teams is just them not getting along. So that's, you know, that's the gimmick for both uh, for the male standard. teams and the female teams. So uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I, a I feel like team. we can do better than this. Raw this week was actually a halfway decent show, um, which is saying a lot because it's been severely sucking lately. Um, SmackDown has been, you know, the superior show by far the last couple months. Um, on SmackDown, we had the continuation of, you know, Sasha Banks title reign. It seems like she's going to be facing off against Carmella, unfortunately, (laughs) with Bailey's aid though. Um, you know, I'm hoping that this isn't the end of the story between Bailey and Sasha Banks and that this is just kind of like, you know, a detour because I mean, two matches for that, you know, feud is not enough. You know, I mean, we were booking it for like months out. So <laughs> Carmella's going to win. I I hope fucking not, man, but I could see it. <laughs> She's going to win with Bailey's help. Absolutely. It, that could be, you know, the next chapter. Then you get like a three-way match between, you know, all three of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, who knows? Don't forget, man. Carmella beat I, Charlotte me, and Oscar. Trust me. And- I still have nightmares <laughs> after that big WrestleMania. Like, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like we're going to push Carmella now. <laughs> you're just gonna watch you know 20 fucking super kicks you know in one match and a really <sighs> clunky fucking uh snap mirror she does more super kicks than the fucking young bucks bella kick oh, party <laughs> um but yeah so anyway yeah that, i mean but yeah smackdown's definitely been the show to watch i'm still intrigued mm. by the whole uh wyatt and alexa bliss you know storyline that's going on right now roman is you know i think he's carrying the fucking whole show though Honestly, mm-hmm. um, I am looking forward to Drew versus Roman. Drew showed up on SmackDown this past week, um, basically challenging Roman, which was a huge omen that he was going to end up winning the belt back on Raw. Um, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, but that 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 almost feels like a WrestleMania caliber match. Honestly, yeah. I thought that, you know, if they couldn't get The Rock, which is the rumor for WrestleMania, that they would pivot then to McIntyre versus Reigns. You know, and to see who actually, you know, controls the yard, you know, quote unquote, Um, (laughs) you know, so it should be a fun match. Um, I could definitely see, you know, maybe Orton costing Drew the match or even Sheamus. That feels like kind of where they're mm-hmm. headed. Um, Sheamus has been kind of like befriending or refriending Drew lately. He even uh, brought his family like kilt to him in sword before the big title match on Raw. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, but 
it inspired him to win, goddammit. So, um, but I feel like you're going to get like a good like month or two friendship out of the two. And then maybe, you know, he'll end up turning on him. We'll see. Now, now Drew didn't come out like in only a kilt, right? Well, in his trunks, he didn't wrestle in the kilt, man. Okay. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's, I'm just making sure. No, that'd be a little, that'd be, that wouldn't be PG, my friend. <laughs> Ratings boost to the third hour, all right? Maybe. <laughs> If you're into that, yeah, um, he's a good looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> Over on SmackDown with um, Bray seeming to go after the Miz. Do you think there's an opportunity for the the briefcase to once again switch hands? I don't think that's a story they're telling. Um, hmm. You know, the Miz made some kind of quick comment about Bray during his promo in the beginning of the night. And I think it was just kind of like, okay, well, you know, Bray equals ratings, so we got to get him on there. I actually thought this was one of his better matches as just like, you know, the Bray character, you know, the sweater wearing character, Um, you know, and I, I, we finally got that physicality we wanted out of Alexa Bliss. John Morrison interfered uh, briefly in the match, and then Alexa Bliss went ballistic and jumped him, um, took him over the uh, barricade. Um, you know, and a pretty fucking like nasty looking bump. I'm sure there was a uh, crash pad <laughs> behind it. Uh-huh. It was it was well done. Like she looked like a psycho. So um, I'm still hoping to see like a different like layer to her character, like a, maybe even like a different level of insanity. You know, when Bray actually comes out as the fiend, like she actually like has a different like look also, um, you know, but she's still out there kind of playing like, you know, this like, you know, I don't know, devil worshiping like preschool teacher. So, yes, yeah, Survivor Series will be this weekend. Uh, we're going to definitely be reviewing it next That's week. Right. I, you know what? <laughs> Even though I kind of hate the booking for the last, you know, five, ten years for Survivor Series, I always, like, still get up for it. I, I think it has, like, this n- weird nostalgic factor for me. Like, it's not Thanksgiving without the Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. So I- I'm still kind of excited, even though I know I'm going to be disappointed. Do you got any last minute picks for Soul Survivor in these matches? Don't you feel like that should actually like mean something? Like you should get like a title shot or something if you're a Soul Survivor? It used to feel like it would, you know, like I, I remember one year Drew, not Drew McIntyre, um, Dolph Ziggler was Soul Survivor. Yes. And like they did like a mini push afterwards. Yes. But but that's just Ziggler. Like that. <laughs> uh. <laughs> they always stop and start with that guy. So um, that was the Sting year, right? That's when Sting came out. Uh, Dolph, uh, like, ended up defeating, like, three guys. He was the last man standing, and he defeated, like, Triple H and, like, was it Shane McMahon or something crazy? Uh, But, yeah, and then his push went absolutely nowhere. So um, I'm going (laughs) to say for the women's match, I think Bianca Belair will end up being the sole survivor. Uh, They're still pushing her pretty hard. Uh, Just she's been getting a lot of vignettes and stuff like that um, and a few wins on TV. So I feel like that's where they're headed with that match. Um, What about yourself, Christian? I know that Liv Morgan's going to be having like a documentary thing come out soon about her time in wrestling. So I'm wondering, do they give her like a spotlight moment here? So here's the thing with that. Liv Morgan wasn't even originally going to be on the team. Uh, Chelsea Green got hurt Ah. last week in the match. So they uh, made an audible and uh, gave the win to Liv Morgan. So, I mean, maybe they go that direction. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, WWE doesn't even care about their own documentaries. Have a time when some guy Uh. gets a documentary (laughs) on, like, you know, the network. They end up fucking losing their pay-per-view match, you know, before it, like, comes out. So... (laughs) Um, I mean, maybe though, maybe it's going to be Nia Jax. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Do you think Lana is going to end up putting Nia through a table oh. or getting some kind of revenge? Probably. It'll probably like, that'll be the way that they get Nia out of the match is Lana does something to fuck yeah, her up. Maybe. Hopefully. Cause poor Lana, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Come to think of it. If uh, Ray Ripley ends up debuting, she's definitely going to be a sole survivor. Yeah. Most likely. If she were to do. Hopefully. <laughs> Although the way they book people now, you know, who are debuting, you never know. Mm-hmm. So um, look at poor Keith Lee. Uh, over on the men's side of things, uh, who would you go with? Well, you know, speaking of Keith Lee, I would go with Keith Lee. Well, I know. Who if, do you think they're going to go with? Though? 
<laughs> you think they're going Keith Lee? <laughs> uh, maybe Jay Uso. You know, they they try to bump up the the Usos a well, little he's bit. He's been on a streak. I mean, he lost against McIntyre, um, but he beat Kevin Owens and he beat Daniel Bryan. Now mm. they haven't announced the last um, pick for the SmackDown team. Uh, they'll probably be doing that, I guess, on Friday, I would hope, unless they keep it a mystery all the way to the pay-per-view. Um, I'm wondering <laughs> if that's going to be like Daniel Bryan's spot. Uh, maybe. You know, um, I'm going to... God. It's a packed team. Uh, Seth Rollins is taking time off because Becky's about to give birth, so I'm not going to go with mm. him. I'm going to say Keith Lee because I don't know where else we're headed here. <laughs> Honestly. So I say Keith Lee, and you're like, well, no, they're not going to do that to I, pick no, someone else. And then you no, pick no, Keith no, Lee. no, I agree. That's I agree. They've just been treating him like <laughs> shit lately. You know, I mean, I guess I know, but... he, not like shit, but like they're just not, I don't know, they're not giving him the push that he deserves. But that's just everyone in general. It's all this 50-50 booking. You know, no one can truly get over. You know, you win one match, you lose two matches. It's that type of deal. So I was happy that Riddle you know, got on the fucking team because he's been on uh-huh. a losing streak and then they finally had him win two matches in one night, which was crazy. Um, you know, since Rollins is leaving, do you think they just give him a big match? No, and, no they're going to you know, put someone over on him since he's leaving. You know, he's not leaving for long, but I mean, they'll use him to get someone else over. That's typical like WWE like booking. I could also see, you know, them going in the direction of Sheamus also if they're trying to like book him into some kind of angle with um, Drew to kind of get mm-hmm. him over now, you know, and maybe even have him almost like turn face during the match since he's kind of like to- toeing the line at this point. Really? You would have him be face going into well, facing Well, he won't McIntyre? face him right off the bat. It's an angle, man. Okay. So he's been buddy-buddy with him. So hey. they'll put him over <laughs> as a face, and then in a month or two, uh, you know, or, you know, a week, because they like to hotshot everything, they'll have him uh, turn on Drew, and he'll be his, the, you know, his next opponent, you know, for the world title. All right. All right. I can see it. I can see it. So, but anyway, what the fuck do we know? because <laughs> i guarantee you at this point they still don't have any idea what direction they're going in so you know why even try to guess it will be booked up yes. to the minute that's the way things have been going lately mm-hmm. all right well that does it for this week all right but before we head out make sure to head over to dramacityproductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts that's right and if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform make sure you subscribe rate and give us a five-star review yeah it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going and you know what if you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode make sure you go ahead and follow us on facebook instagram twitter and see the full versions of these articles plus a whole lot more yeah you can follow us at amazing nerd show that's your nerd hub for all things pop culture and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Tee Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely. And you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, Damon, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, we will be reviewing the film Run, starring Sarah Paulson. All right, and just one more friendly reminder. If you enjoyed this episode of The Amazing Nerd Show, make sure to give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform. That's right, and tell a friend. Exactly. My name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's The Amazing Nerd Show. No, 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 no. That is not food. Don't do that again.